in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? The front page is brought to you by Bonkers Comedy Club at the Suncoast. The Suncoast Hotel and Casino is the place to eat, drink, and laugh. Check out Bonkers Comedy Club every Saturday night with shows at 7 and 9 p.m. By the way, Fernando on Twitter. I don't know if Fernando's correct, but he said that a meteor is coming every 60,000 years and the sun will burn out in 1.2 billion years. Yeah. So nice. we'll take Fernando's word for it yes. at the moment. Uh, so Fernando and none of us will be around when yeah. this happens. So. I believe um, they said, well, I, I may be misquoting Carl Sagan, but they basically said that uh, if you were to take like the existence of the universe and put it on a calendar, mankind doesn't show up until like the 31st of December at like 7 p.m. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, we're kind of like the toddlers of the universe. Good to go. All right. The Suns are expected to sell for at least $2.5 billion. That is according to Front Office Sports. Uh, $2.5 billion would put them less than the Nets, uh, but more than what? Atlanta and Minnesota. Um, my question, though, if Phoenix sells for $2.5 billion, what do you believe that Vegas. would mean for an expansion fee if Las Vegas gets an expansion team? I see at some you put point three down here. I don't doubt that at all. Would if it be even Vegas more? could be even more. It's Vegas, first team here. Uh, they'd probably be playing it out of the uh, AEG arena. Maybe. I think, maybe. Um, I think the number starts with a three. I think you're right here. It's It's interesting to look at what a and okay what's more valuable a team that already exists or a team that you have to build from effectively nothing because the other part about the suns is granted they probably aren't going to actually win a title but the suns are good at the moment right this is a team that's going to go up for sale that's you know was just in the nba finals uh, a season ago, ago and is still considered one of the better teams in the west so right. it's not like a bottom feeder of the league is selling right now. You've got Devin Booker. You've got DeAndre Ayton. Like, there is a decent core there. So, I, I don't know. I, 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 I guess an expansion team would be more valuable simply because it is new and you get to do whatever you want to it as an owner. But you're still starting from nothing. And Which the would you, you rather hear? Expansion. Oh, so, 100%, uh, me 100%. Too. Me too. Be more fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, how long is it going to take an expansion team in the NBA to be good? Yeah. Is is the real question? It's because, not going to be the Golden Knights, right? Because you in, in the NBA you have to land one or two star players right. to be good. Sometimes even one's not good enough, and you're not going to get that through an NBA expansion draft. The regular draft, you just have to kind of be lucky that you have a high pick in the right year. Because sometimes there's just not a generational talent in the draft. Maybe free agency would be the path for Las Vegas. Maybe you could sign a couple of guys in free agency, but I, it's 
getting an expansion team, there is a legitimate question of it might take a little while before that. You might have good. a shot because it is Las Vegas. Right. You might. Um, but how many teams actually land like a star player that leads them to title contention and free agency? Right. It's not a high. I mean, LeBron obviously is the main exception in the history of the league, but even like Kevin Durant, right? Left Golden State and Brooklyn never did anything, right? right? So we'll see. I, I, But I am curious if that ends up being a three, $3.5 billion price tag for an expansion fee for an NBA team. See, men lie, women lie, but the analytics don't. Uh, so LeBron tweeted this over the weekend. Do I have college eligibility? I went If I went to play another sport besides basketball, how does that work? Uh, first question, why did he not ask J.R. Smith? Good, that's a good point. J.R. Smith just yeah, finished just, his NBA career exactly. and went back to college yes. to golf. Yes. Like, he has a teammate that he j- that just did this. And second, what sport does LeBron want to play? Tight end football. Is there any At way 40? Yeah, is there any no. way he's like, I'm 40-year-old LeBron and I want to play football? Oh, what does he want to play? Or what I see, I always thought he was going to be a great tight end if he had ever played it. He oh, played it in high oh, school. Probably would have been. been. He would have like, been an incredible tight if end. If he's going back, like Jared said, if you're at 40, I can't tennis? Im- I can't imagine he's putting his body through football. Like tennis? I I would love to see it. If you're telling me LeBron went back to college and was like a wide receiver or a tight end for I don't is it Ohio State or is it just Akron, right? I'm on board. And ESPN, by the way, is paying the Mac so much money to get those games on TV. The Mac. I'm on board, right? I'm watching every Akron game I can and yelling at whoever their poor quarterback is to just throw the damn ball to LeBron James. But there's just, I just can't imagine if he actually went back to school to play a sport, he'd put his body through football. I mean, Overwatch? You got to play in esports? Yeah. Bowling. Ooh, that's a good one. There is collegiate bowling, right? Yes, yeah. there is. Oh, yeah, there's collegiate bowling. Is he good? Yeah. Do we know? Is he good? I know Chris Paul has his little know. bowling tournament, and he's good. But is LeBron ever good in those? I don't know. I always found that having long arms did not help with bowling. It sort of made it where you, like, would drag the ball on the floor. But Could he play I'm soccer? I'm also an orangutan. Could he play soccer? He's got um, the conditioning. Does he? It's a completely different condition. Yeah. It's not you even... You just jog around. <laughs> Uh, he does walk around a lot on a basketball court, so he'd have that part down. I don't know. I just, I, I would love to see the guy go back and play college football. Right. That's far and away the best for us. The viewer is LeBron James on Saturdays playing at 9am in the Mac. God, that'd be incredible. They only bring him in for goal line packages. (laughs) (laughs) He's big wit. Uh, He's big wit. LeBron has uh, now 10 catches on the season and 10 touchdowns. <laughs> totally. You just got to toss it up to him. He just out- outjumps, he outjumps the guy. I'll tell you what, unlike Devontae Adams, he'd be able to dunk the ball over the goalpost. Oh, that's right. Everything's been downhill for Devontae yeah. Adams since he missed that since he dunk. Missed that, he went through the legs and, missed, and he didn't even attempt to dunk. Not good. You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell no. What kind of questions that, Phil? Jason Kidd plans to bring Christian Wood off the bench. Uh, JaVale McGee is apparently going to start because the Mavericks promised JaVale McGee a starting spot when they signed him in free agency. So first off, why are you promising JaVale McGee a starting spot? Over Chris Wood. Is he even like, do you need him to like, no. And then Christian Wood, who the Mavericks, they gave up a first round pick to trade for him. Who, what was he averaging? Like 20 points a game last year for Houston is now in Dallas on a potential contender 
potentially was going to be one of their best players. And now he's the sixth man. He'll probably still end up playing more minutes than JaVale McGee, right? Who starts isn't necessarily the most important thing. But did you see Chris Wood yesterday just tweeted, LOL. Oh, did he? Yeah. Just, did you see Jake Kidd's uh, quote? I don't need him to be the microwave. I need him to be Seawood. What does that even mean? I don't have no idea what that means. Don't you want a guy coming off the bench don't to be the microwave? Don't you want to be the microwave? Isn't that sort yeah. of the whole... We, that analogy's been used before. You yeah, come off the bench the, as a yeah. microwave. Well, that's the cliche. Yeah. If you're in the if you're in the starting lineup, you can be an oven because you get more minutes, you get to stay in the game longer. But if you're coming off the bench, you get 12 minutes. You got to be a microwave. Get to yeah, it right away. Yeah, of a score. So uh, I enjoy the Mavericks already mishandling Chris Wood for JaVale McGee. <laughs> What was that? I don't think anybody heard that. that. Hundred pounds. Was tweet that. That, a one? that that was unintelligible. Yeah, I did my best to try to grab it. So it didn't go well. James Harden yesterday got asked by reporters how much weight he lost, and he told him hundred pounds. And they thought he was joking, so they asked a follow up. No, really, how much did you lose? And he said hundred pounds. Tweet that. Uh, so they did in fact tweet that. Um, yeah. If James Harden actually lost 100 pounds, would he be out of the league? Well, what would he be down to? 100? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say 150. I mean, well, he was he was chubby with his tricky body. Yeah, he had a tricky Houston. body. So maybe 220, 225. But then he he lost weight when he got. I mean, just going by what his body looked like, he looked more in shape once he got to Brooklyn, and then he looked. I mean, he's still, he's always been relatively big, but he still looked fine when he was in Philly last year. So, like, there's no way, if, if he legitimately lost 100 pounds, I think he'd be out of the he league. He did not lose 100 pounds. I think he lost 20 even? Yeah. I haven't seen him. Did you see him? No, I just saw the tweets and and. Is he saying from the, end of last, from the end of the season? Well, I don't know. Maybe he's the, talking about he went, when, before he went to Brooklyn, he was 50 pounds heavier. He lost that weight, and now in the offseason, he's gained it back, so he had to lose it again. So he's lost 50 pounds so he's twice. Lost twice for 100 pounds. See, if you're a celebrity and you lose a significant amount of weight, you have to turn that into an endorsement deal, right? Or what do you mean like actors? Or, or athletes, too. Like, I lost all this weight, and I did it with the help of insert product here. My doctor who's not a doctor. My name's Tom Brady. <laughs> Like, that's got to be, if you lose that much weight, that's got to be, you have to turn that into I mean, an endorsement. Yeah, anyone who loses 100 pounds should even, at least get paid for even it. Even if you just lost, like, 30 pounds. Right. You'd just be like, oh, yeah, I lost 30 pounds with the help of, it can be some super diet plan, it can be a restaurant, right. whatever. You a just, restaurant. Well. Subway. Well, this boy. guy, uh, <laughs> that was gonna say, uh, hold on, let's not, let's not go to him on Subway. <laughs> we remember him. Ouch. Great question. Mac Jones is likely to miss multiple weeks. He suffered a high ankle sprain in the Patriots loss to the Ravens on Sunday. Uh, Brian Hoyer and rookie Bailey Zappi are the two backups. My boy, Brian for the Patriots. Hoyer. Um, are they going to regret trading yeah, away? Yeah, where's Jared Stidham? Oh, no. Uh, here's, Jared Stidham daily. Here's the thing. If you're, if you're New England... Who do you start? The rookie Bailey, Z- or Bailey Zappi, who I think they took in the seventh round out of Western Kentucky. They'll start Brian, Brian Hoyer. Hoyer. Am They'll I start Brian Hoyer. Am I wrong for thinking that's dumb? Eh. I mean, it's still early enough in the season where he would think that Brian Hoyer might yeah. give him the best chance. It's not like late in the season where you're like, yeah, we stink anyway. Right. 
but I do think they stink. <laughs> you do. So, like, I don't think this is a playoff team. And not that you're really expecting a late-round quarterback rookie to be anything, but I still feel like you start Bailey Zappi and, like, what happens if you find something, right? Like, what happens? I mean, imagine the team that got Tom Brady in the sixth round. Imagine if Bailey Zappi was really good as another late-round pick. Right? I feel like they should start that guy and not Brian Hoyer because Brian Hoyer's not any good. Did and we you, know that. Did you see the screaming and face of Mac Jones? No, in pain. Oh. Oh man, when they take him off the field, Google his face. I will not be doing that. Oh my god. I goodness. will be avoiding that. And screaming in pain. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Google not that. Good. I'm just gonna avoid that altogether. All right, the front page brought to you by Bonkers Comedy Club at the Suncoast. The Suncoast Hotel and Casino is the place to eat, drink, and laugh. Check out Bonkers Comedy Club every Saturday night. Here's a two-on-one for the Knights. Eichel down the middle. He scores! Top shelf! Kessel and Eichel, a two-on-one. The first time we see them on the move together, they score! And Vegas takes a 1-0 lead inside 13 minutes to play in the first. You're sitting in the press box with the Brady ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Top shelf. Should I yell at Jared? Yeah, I haven't been great today. Because <laughs> the radio call was ridiculously loud, and then the actual imaging voice, I could barely hear it. Today has not been a good Jared day. <laughs> Sorry to everybody's ears. Um, the Golden Knights, they played a preseason game last night. They lost in overtime to the Kings, but then won, what was it, a 14-round shootout. 14 rounds. You um, watched that? No. <laughs> I watched every shot. I did not. And it was just painful, and I just felt so sorry for Ben Goats. I did not even watch overtime. Overtime equals deadline and then and then they do a shootout which doesn't need to be done not at all and no. it goes 14 rounds <laughs> no uh as soon as regulation ended i got up and went and got in the shower i was like yeah i'm not sticking around for overtime for preseason game uh but jack eichel scored top shelf scored in the game jack eichel uh logan thompson had a nine save shutout yeah. for 30 minutes they switched goalies halfway through aiden hill got the second half of the game they did it in the first uh play uh yeah. preseason game as well but it was Michael Hutchison and Yuri Patera um so so far in preseason games we've seen Michael Hutchison have a 30 minute shutout Logan Thompson have a 30 minute shutout I don't believe either one actually faced many shots uh and we saw Aiden Hill give up one goal in regulation and then one in overtime which whatever who cares how much of a competition do you think this really is? So Bruce Cassidy yesterday said this. We know that there's some open competition here, and I wouldn't not include Hutch in that mix. If you look at the numbers, they're very comparable. He was good yesterday. See, I don't think there's much of a competition. You think it's Logan Thompson? I think it's Logan Thompson. Now, I don't know who the backup is. Aiden it's Hill probably Aiden Hudson? Hill. Yeah. It's probably Aiden Hill, but... I don't think it's as much of a competition as he's letting on. I think it's Logan Thompson. I don't know. I think if you're the Golden Knights, you want it to be Logan Thompson. 
Like you're, you're you don't hoping. want you want there to be no question, right? If you, you're the Golden Knights, you want it to be Logan Thompson. So I think he's going to get every benefit of the doubt, yes. every break or whatever. Like they're gonna they're gonna find ways to try to make it Logan Thompson. But so so here would be the question: How much better does Aiden Hill or Michael Hutchinson have I think to, be to be? Yeah, to actually Good start question. game one, and then here's maybe the more important. Well, okay. They're not going to carry three goalies to open the season. So they're going to have to make a decision on two versus three at some point. And I'll have to double check, but I'm pretty sure neither Aiden Hill nor Michael Hutchinson are waiver exempt. So if they're deciding no. between those two, somebody's going to have to go on right. waivers and could clear and end up in the AHL right. or could get claimed by somebody else. So, but the, the real question I think is going to be once we get into the season, because sure, whatever, nine saves and thirty minute a thirty minute shutout in the preseason against the Kings, who cares? But like once we get into the season, what does Logan Thompson look like? And let me let me give you this this theory once again. I've I've said it once before on here. Those uh two goalies there, or three goalies there, Aiden Hill, Michael Hutchinson, and Logan Thompson. Logan Thompson is waiver exempt. They can send Logan Thompson to the AHL without him clearing through waivers. If this front office gets to the end of the preseason and they want to keep three goalies. And there's no clear-cut winner. The way they keep three goalies is to send Logan Thompson to the AHL. That's, That's how they keep all three of these goalies on this roster. Because otherwise, if you if you're getting rid of Hutchinson or you're getting rid of Aiden Hill, they have to go through waivers. You risk him. And if they go through waivers, somebody can claim them. And you don't have that goalie anymore. So if they want all three, the way to do it is to send Logan Thompson yeah. down on waivers. The other wild card in this is Laurent Brossois, where he's injured, <laughs> uh, not there at the moment. I'm laughing. <laughs> at some point, presumably, Laurent Brossois is going to be able to play hockey for the Golden Knights, in which case you would have another goalie in the mix. So maybe if they if they decide to put let's just say Michael Hutchinson on waivers, they look at it and say, well, in a week, in a month, Laurent Brossois is coming back. We're anyway. going to have Laurent Brossois. At which case, you go back to the same question, if you want to keep three goalies, Logan Thompson is, is still the only waiver, one yeah. that's waiver exempt among those goalies. So I would put it this way. I will not be surprised if at some point this season, Logan Thompson is sent to the AHL regardless of how he plays, right? Like he could be playing fine and they decide, well, we need to keep all three of these goalies around. So you're going to go to the AHL. And then once there's an injury, you're coming back up or something like that. Or they try to trade him. I don't know. Well, and the the other thing Cassidy said was it could be two to three weeks inside when they even decide on a number one. Yeah. Which I mean, it could be two, three weeks in. Which I think I believe that like it's like I think you can have a a favorite and still not truly decide and still not truly believe he's the best. Right. Like you can say, oh, I think it's going to be Thompson and we're going to give Thompson every opportunity to be the number one guy. But we're not going to make that decision until we're whatever a week away, whatever the date is a week away from the season opener. And again, it's a position where even if you do have a clear number one that guy still is only going to play 60 to 70 games in a full season if he's healthy, right? 
the Golden Knights, if they have a a one A 1A and a one B, and it's probably more that's going to be split more evenly. To I be don't honest, know if it's evenly, but it's not going to be what it would be if you had a number one. Should we refer to them as a two A and a two B? <laughs> <laughs> they have two number twos, but not a number one. They have a two A, a two B, and a two C, and, and a two C. Yeah. And, and then, what's Brusso- and what's three A injured reserve? <laughs> He's an IR. If I if we get Bruce 40. Cassidy, yeah, get Bruce Cassidy to call him a two A and a two B, uh, but you're gonna have that. Like even here's the thing, even if Logan Thompson, you know, wins the job, and even if Logan Thompson is is good through the first uh, whatever five games of the season, you're still gonna play Aiden Hill or Michael Hutchinson, you know, thirty percent of the games right. or something. Like so, even if Logan Thompson, you know, wins the job, you're still playing the whoever the other guy is a good chunk of the games, and I. I doubt that Logan Thompson's going to be so good that they're like, oh, we can't take him off yeah, the Yeah, I was going to ask if you're surprised at the inferences that he's by far the best one. Right. Like, I like listen, great end of the season last year, great AHL 20 numbers. games. Yeah, but it's 20 games. They're, more than likely, if Logan, if Logan Thompson is, in fact, the number one guy, right, he's going to have a 10-game stretch at some point. Or maybe it's only a five-game stretch. He's going to have a stretch of games at some point. Where he's not good, right? I mean, it's, it, it happens. And if it happens right out of the gate, that's not good news for the Golden Knights. But even if it happens in like December or January or something like that, you're going to see Aiden Hill or Michael Hutchinson get a, a run of games. Probably you don't lose one up waivers. Yeah, uh, it might happen. So I, I, it is it is a curious place, but I do think we're going to see that. And in, and in well, okay, I was going to say what's important is the playoffs, is having the number one guy once you get to the playoffs, but they got to get there first. Uh, that's that's the real thing is this team could miss the postseason, but assuming this team is in the playoff hunt, assuming this team is at least a wild card team in the West, as long as you know who the number one is in the postseason, you're fine. Yes, right. They yeah. they could have a goalie battle all regular season, right. and then if one of these guys at the end of the year is like, okay, he's clearly the guy, then, then you have your guy for the playoffs. Right. Then you're good. If- now. You make and the again, playoffs. And again, you, you might need one of these guys to be the guy the whole season to actually make and it To make there. the playoffs. Right. Because, again, my question is, like, can this team make the postseason with completely average goaltending? I think so. Like, if they're... If Are they, they going to be as good defensively as everyone thinks they can be? With Bruce Cassidy as the coach? I guess they've looked pretty good in some preseason yeah. games, right? So, maybe. But, like, if they have just thick, the 16th best goaltending in the entire league... Right, but they're good other spots. Are they good enough to be in the postseason? And I'm gonna Probably. have to say yes. It, Probably, as long as they stay somewhat healthy, which I think is another fair question Uh-oh. to ask. How healthy are they going to actually be this year? Because you know the captain had back surgery, so that doesn't always sound good. All right, coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. What does Brian Hoyer bring to the offense? Yeah, Brian's got a lot of experience in the offense. And how would you describe Bailey Zappi's um, progress since the time he was drafted to where we are now? It's gotten a lot better. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Bill Belichick is very excited uh, that he's got to choose between Brian Hoyer and Bailey Zappi. It sounds uh, very fun there. Uh, Joining us now... From Yahoo is Charles McDonald. Good morning, Charles. How are you today? Are you happy the Falcons aren't the last winless team in the NFL? Um, I don't really care about that. I'm just happy that Kyle Pitts got the ball. That's, <laughs> that's really, really, literally the only thing I cared about. Like I, I said before the game, 
I don't care who wins. I just want to go back to the old days where Matt Ryan would close his eyes and say, Julio's down there somewhere. Roddy's down there somewhere. <laughs> Calvin Ridley's down there somewhere. And let, let's just run the entire offense through them. Uh, and it was great. You know, Kyle Pitts went off. Drake London scored a touchdown. Uh, the defense actually made a play to win the game, which I don't remember the last time I saw him do that. Uh, it was great. You know, I, I definitely had some tense moments there at the end because, you know, they were facing a fourth and 18 <laughs> with the game on the line. And I, I think Grady Jarrett got pressure up the middle and Geno Smith starts rolling out the pocket. And I was like, well, there it is. They're going to do it again. They're about to give up a fourth and 18. I've seen this a million times before. Uh, and then Richie Grant got the interception and uh, they got their first win. And it's frustrating because – I think one of the surprising parts about this year to me is the Falcons have been like a lot better than I expected them to uh, expect them to be. And, you know, if you can tell me that by EPA standards, really any advanced metric that you're looking at, that this is would be a top 10 offense throughout the seat through the season up to this point. And then you look at how, how much of their cap space, like they're not even using, which is $85 million either. Uh, on injured reserve or dead cap with like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and some other guys that they've cut in the past couple of years. The expectations are coming back. The expectations are coming back. <laughs> it's going to be bad stuff. Uh, you know, it, 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 I, I will say to their credit, the fact that really you didn't even have a, a real rebuild year and you already look like a competent team again, plus you're going to have a boatload of cap space next year for the first time in like, you know, five or six off seasons. It's a, uh, Sadly, it's sadly kind of fun to be doing this stuff again. All right, let me ask you about the uh, only 0-3 team, our Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Devontae Adams said he's frustrated and angry after the 0-3 start. Should he be frustrated yeah. with himself for leaving Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr? No, I think uh, – well, I don't think he should be frustrated with himself. I mean, he got, what, $30 million a year? That's something to be proud of. Uh, <laughs> but beyond that, man, it's – it's it's got to be frustrating for him because like when, when was the last time the Packers started zero and three? Like has that ever happened in his entire time in the NFL? So I'm sure that this is kind of a foreign concept for him. Uh, it's it, it's kind of shocking like how bad this team has been uh, through the first three weeks because I don't think that like the Titans are really any team that you should be losing to if you have spent this much money in the offseason. But this is kind of where the Raiders find themselves. We asked about uh, this earlier. Matt Jones is out for a, cold, a couple weeks. Who would you start, Brian Hoyer or Bailey Zapp? Myself. Yeah. Who would you? If, if you're him, I mean, would you? You, you no, pick, I'm, you pick I'm, him I'm in the seventh if, round. If I'm saying, if I was Bill Belichick, I would put on some pads and go under center myself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I would start Hoyer. I, I don't. I don't. I don't really think it matters which guy you start, but. Uh, I think when you're looking at a team that has veteran guys that was in the playoff last year, um, really going to turn it over to, to Bailey Zapp? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think Hoyer makes the most sense. I mean, we've seen him play competent football for like a gamer here at the t- game or two at a time. So maybe he can come in, get you two or three games, hopefully not be a complete disaster. And then Mac Jones can come back, but you know, they, they need Mac to play better when he gets back too. it's not like he's been lights out to start the year. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see, like, what changed with this Patriots offense in the weeks that Mac is gone because they got to kind of figure something out just to make life a little bit easier for themselves. Charles McDonald with us from Yahoo. I know you wrote about Lamar Jackson and his start to the season. 
Is there anything he can do on the field that would actually convince the Ravens to give him a fully guaranteed contract? Um, I don't, I don't think there's anything, anything he can do now that he's not doing. I mean, he's, he's playing MVP level football without an MVP level supporting cast this time. I, Ronnie Stanley hasn't really played. I don't think Ronnie Stanley's played at all this year. J.K. Dobbins is just get, just getting back into the lineup last week against Miami. You know, all the starters in the secondaries, you know, had to come out the game at some point. Uh, and he's kind of been able to to overcome that. And I, I think that when you look at Lamar Jackson, to me, if you if you take Lamar off this team and just replace him with any old quarterback, they're probably like one and two. He'd probably still be the Jets week one. Uh, but you definitely don't beat the Dolphins, and you wouldn't have beat the Patriots this week either. It, 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 it's so impressive to really have a player where the entire offense is built around his talents being different than any other quarterback in the league. And now the the thing with Lamar is you're starting to see, okay, this is this is what happens when he gets what they were entering year four of him playing against NFL defenses, and the passing is getting. You know, it seems like he's getting a little bit better each season. Even if the numbers weren't better last year, just in terms of like his functionality of reading the defense, and now it, it, it's at as high a level as any quarterback is playing in the league. So, uh, if I was the Ravens right now, I'd be on the phone with Lamar. Hey, you sure you don't want to talk about this contract until after the season? Are you sure? Because we can bump up that guarantee right now based on everything that you're giving to us. I mean, he he's got to be uh, in the MVP runner race uh and just to watch him play and the, the command he has with that entire offense with the receiving group that's still growing i mean rashad Bateman's a young guy devin duvernay's a young guy i know you still have mark andrews but man it, it's been really impressive to see what he's been able to do with the entire onus being on him being excellent is miami this good um i think they're i don't know i don't know i i will say this i know their defense is good um and, but the, the interesting thing to being about Miami is, like, I don't think that they've played, like, a full game of consistent offense, which has to be, like, honestly kind of scary for the teams that are coming up on their, on their roster. Because even if you just go back to that game last week against Baltimore, what, the first three quarters, it, it kind of looked like the same stuff from the past couple of years where you're you're sputtering and, trying to, and struggling trying to get down the field. But anytime you have an offense that can just pick up chunk plays uh, – as quickly as they do, and you know, when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the same team, who might be like the two fastest receivers in the NFL, it's hard to say that this is this is not a good team. I, I just want to want to look. What, I want to see what it looks like when they can actually put together, you know, one of these complete games, start to finish. Because I, I think you know, scoring twenty one points in the fourth quarter is an anomaly, but I think they can also score more points than they did this past week against the Bills defense that was missing like five starters. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would say this is definitely a good team. And the defense, man, I, I think that that's kind of an underrated aspect of the Dolphins unit that hasn't uh, gotten enough praise. Uh, does Nathaniel Hackett get fired after this season? Uh, <laughs> at this rate, yeah, probably. <laughs> and it's funny that, that, that we say this after a win, <laughs> where they, they, they beat the 49ers. Uh, 11 to 10 in honestly one of the worst primetime games that I <laughs> that I've that I can remember. It I mean it was just absolutely brutal to watch. But you know it, it's week three and they already felt the need to like hire a babysitter for him in terms of like a game management clock. 
uh, coach. And <laughs> that's just not a good omen. I, I, and I think, you know, th- this, this pairing so far, I kind of brought in, you know, a question I had during the off season was, are we sure that like Russell Wilson and Nate Hackett are a good fit for each other? Because, you know, Nate Hackett has never called plays for a quarterback like Russell Wilson. And the last time he called plays was for Blake Bortles in uh, the Jacksonville Jaguar. So it's not like even like having a huge role on game day is something that he had over the past, you know, four or five seasons in Green Bay. Um, and I think it's really showing up on the field because they just seem lost, uh, constantly lost. Uh, they don't really have a, a really good idea of what they want to be on offense. Uh, it doesn't seem like Russell Wilson is comfortable in the offense, and they just keep blowing like these mismanagement situations uh, where you, you would expect someone who's making that much money and who has spent that much time around NFL football would just be able to not make some boneheaded mistakes in terms of game management. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's things stand right now. Even though they're 2-1, and one, Hackett has to be on, you know, a, has to be a risk to be a one and done just because this isn't what the the Broncos offense is supposed to look like. What have you been most impressed with with the Jaguars? Um, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's a it's a cop out answer. Well, I'll say this: Trevor Lawrence and James Robinson. Because <laughs> I don't know, like, how many people remember this or know this who are listening to this. Uh, James Robinson tore his Achilles like nine months ago. I, th- I think this past weekend was nine month anniversary of him tearing his Achilles and he's been playing like one of the best running backs in football. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson has been a great match so far. You're like, you're really starting to see that potential that made him kind of like the unanimous number one quarterback uh, in last year's class. and someone that was worth losing all these games for. Uh, and, and, and it's, it's kind of cool to see because I think that this offense is set up well for Trevor Lawrence. And the cool thing is like, they still have rooms to get better at the receiver position, at offensive line, and you're already starting to see, you know, at, at least the framework for what can be a good team for a long time. So never thought I'd be saying this, but Jacksonville Jaguars like really, really, really on the come up right now. Uh, we're going to need you to be more pessimistic about the Falcons next week. Can you do that for us? Uh, yeah. I mean, once Nick Chubb runs for like 200 yards, <laughs> I'll be pretty upset, I'm sure. He's Charles McDonald from Yahoo. Charles, as always, we Thanks, appreciate Charles. it. Later. So there's Charles McDonald. Um, yeah. He I'm, goes away fast. He does. Get out of here. Get done with us. Don't keep talking to us. All right. We got more tickets to give away. If you want to go see Eddie Vedder, the lead singer of Pearl Jam, Friday, October 7th, he's at Dolby Live at Park MGM. We've got a pair of tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. That's 702 702- 364-1100. You'll win a pair of tickets to go see Eddie Vetter at Dolby Live Park MGM on Friday, October 7th. We'll take caller number 9 at 702-364-1100. 3.4 to go. Rebels with the final chance. Pass up ahead to Baker. Baker front court. Baker gets pushed down. No call. And a loose ball. No. Oh, my gosh. The Rebels have the game absolutely stolen from them. That was absolute larceny. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Larceny. All right. UNLV basketball had their first preseason practice yesterday, not including the whole Canada trip where they got 10 extra practices in place. Um, But first practice yesterday 
First off, on the injury updates, if you remember their Canada trip, two guys did not play, Elijah Harkless and Victor Iwako. Uh, both of them practiced yesterday, uh, though Elijah Harkless appeared to be limited. He wasn't participating in everything, uh, but they both were practicing yesterday. However, Isaiah Cottrell, the transfer from West Virginia, um, he had a walking boot on and did not obviously practice with that, though Kevin Kruger said they were hoping that he would be ready to go for game one of the season. Uh, so A lot of defensive drills there in the morning they, session. So we... Uh, the media was got to go to practice, and in the morning, every single drill they did was a defensive drill. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "These poor kids, they don't even get to shoot." And afterwards, I asked Kevin Kruger about a defense-only practice. He's like, "Ah, we have a second practice later today. They're going to get to play some offense then, so they have a second practice going on." But actually, the funniest part of that is we talked to Kevin Kruger first, and then we talked to Jordan McCabe. And um, Jordan McCabe was asked, oh, you did a whole defensive practice, and then you get offensive practice later in the day. And Jordan McCabe said, oh, that's good to know. He said, I thought we were just doing defense every single day, twice a day for the entire week. <laughs> so Jordan McCabe thought this was going to be all defense all the time. Uh, but they did do at least what we saw, just 100% defense. And I think the main question for UNLV, how good are they defensively? Is this a, you know, top one or two defense in the Mountain West and therefore top 30 defense in the country? Or is this just sort of a, hey, they're the fourth or fifth best defense in the Mountain West and they're, you know, the 60th or 70th best well, defense he in the country? recruited defensively he in did. the transfer portal. Yes. Um, I think you and I have talked about this. I think that a lot of this had to do with them trying to get up to the level of San Diego State in a lot of ways, not right. only defensively, but the types of players he did, the the 6'4 to 6'7, the long athletic kids that San Diego State usually has, you know, out guarding guards um, and, and you know, just defending better than anyone in the league. I think this had a lot to do with that. If you watch the games last year, that was a big difference, and you're going to have to get up to them to win the conference. Um, they'll be probably picked to win it again this year, either them or Wyoming. Um so yeah, I think he I think he's recruited to that point. You you always see who the best is in your league and how do you catch them? Uh I think this is one of the ways he thinks they can do it. So let's use San Diego State as an example here. Um let's just take the Brian Dutcher years. Brian Dutcher's first year as a head coach, they ranked thirtieth in defensive efficiency. Country. They, they went yeah, in the country. They went to the NCA tournament. Brian Dutcher's second year, they ranked seventy eighth in defensive efficiency. They did not go to the NCAA tournament. His third year was the COVID year where it got canceled and San Diego State would have been a one or a two seed in the NCAA tournament. They were 10th in defensive efficiency. Then in 2021, they were 21st, went to the NCAA tournament. And in 2022, they were second in the entire country and went, went to, to the, the NCAA, NCAA tournament. tournament. So taking Brian Dutcher's years, when they are top 30 in defensive efficiency, they're an NCAA tournament level team. The one season that they were 78th, they, they did were not. not go to the NCAA tournament. So... If UNLV put together, you know, the 78th best defensive team in the country, right? That's actually pretty good. Like, that's a good defensive team. We'd look back and say, okay, they were solid defensively. Last year, they were 97. So that would be an improvement. And they have not been 78th or better since uh, Dave Rice's second to last season. Okay. So that, to me, is the question. If we're using San Diego State as an example and as a base, when San Diego State is top 30 in defensive efficiency... 
they're an NCAA tournament level team. When they're not, they're still good, but not great, and they don't make the NCAA tournament. So I think the ma- I think the major question is, did Kevin Kruger build a top 30 defensive team in the country, or did he build a top, top 75? Yeah. And if he simply built a top 75 defensive team, they're not going to the NCAA to tournament. Yeah. If he did build a top 30, they have a great chance. We might be talking about yeah. an NCAA tournament team. Now, they did just go and lose a game to the University of British Columbia. So I don't know that I think they're going to be top 30, but I do think that's the question. If we're, if we're using San Diego State as the base, that's sort of the number. But doesn't it make for. sense that they're trying to mimic, Not I guess not mimic them, but try to do their best to catch these teams ahead of them? So I think it made a lot of sense this offseason where they did not land a star offensive player. And they went after a couple of them, or at least they were reportedly interested in a couple of guys that were like big time offensive players. And I think if we, if we look at it from a standpoint of where does UNLV fit in, it probably makes sense that they're not going to land one of the 10 best transfers in college basketball in any given year. So they're probably not going to land an offensive star in the transfer portal, but what can they land? Cause UNLV is not an awful program. UNLV can land good players, they can probably land guys that are defense first. They can probably land guys that are awesome defensively, but struggle offensively or maybe never had the chance or whatever. So if you're building a roster through the transfer portal and you're UNLV, your quickest path to success is probably by going with just a bunch of defense first guys because you're not going to land the star offensive the player. Flynn. Right. Now, they need to find where the offense comes from because also if they're 30th in the country defensively, but they're 150th offensively. They're not going to the NCAA right. tournament. That's still not a good team. They still have to be top 100 offensively, and they might not be that this year, right? They're going to need Keyshawn Gilbert, Elijah Harkless, Jackie Johnson. They're going to need like those three guys to be really good offensively, better than they have been in their careers. And I, I don't know if that happens. So I, I think at the end of the day, we're talking about the 58th best defense and the 106th best offense. That might get you there. It won't get them to the NCAA tournament. No? Nah. Probably won't even be an IT, honestly. That'll be about the fifth best team in the Mountain West and not in the postseason.